Hi, welcome to Soul Revolution. We believe that you are the change wherever you are. If you like to know more about us, who we are and what we do, find us on Facebook as Soul Revolution. We are so thrilled to share this message with you today. This evening, we want to speak about um, the Grub Club. Everybody say Grub Club. And um, whether we like food or not, the Grub Club is a pretty important place. It's an important experience. It's an interesting place. Because the original Grub Club is more than just a restaurant in, uh, in Kolkata. And tonight as we discuss this, my prayer is that God will make this uh, Grub Club a real experience for us. Uh, as you know, we all have been on a series called Irresistible. And on this journey, we are following the book of John uh, from the Bible and we want to see three elements unfold. Okay? Uh, we, want to, uh, we want to have an experience with the presence of Jesus. We want to make a commitment to know the person of Jesus and in turn inculcate a passion to follow the pathway of Jesus. And last week, we looked at the story of the rich, uh, the, the royal official who came who needed a healing for his uh, son. And tonight as we look at the Grub Club, I want you to look at John chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. If you read it, you'll get to read that entire uh, thing out there. But there are two facts that I want to put before you about this Grub Club. Um, the Grub Club is a place where the hungry are served. Okay, The hungry um, are uh, served at this Grub Club. And you know, we all feel hungry. Hunger is a real need. And while hunger is primarily related to food, you can be hungry for more than just food. Um, for instance, Hungry for Love is a song written by Bad Boys Blue. There's a charitable organization called Hungry for Music that gives um, unused or underused instruments to those who really like music. And seated right here this evening, we are probably hungry for more than just food. And as we read John chapter 6 verses 1 to 15, we read that these people ate all they wanted. Someone said if hunger is not the problem, then eating is not the solution. But at this first grub club, those who were hungry were served. John chapter 6 verse 11 reads, Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. You see, the hungry were served at the first grub club and that's pretty assuring for me because I know when I'm hungry for more than just food, I can go to the grub club to meet the needs of my heart, my soul and my mind, not just my body, not just my stomach. You know, the apps on our phone can order food that will probably satisfy your stomach probably for the next couple of hours. But what when there is a hunger that's deeper, okay? When there's a hunger that food cannot satisfy, when something that's intangible, what do you do? You can go to the Grub Club. The second fact about the Grub Club is this. The Grub Club is where you experience the presence of Jesus. John chapter 6 verses 10 says that there were about 5,000 men, okay? There were about 5,000 men. And here we are calculating things in a culture that was very, very biased towards men. Okay, so they just calculated the men. So there would be approximately, in my guess, about 13,000 people 
there would be 5000 men their wives and uh, children okay who would accompany the parents and uh, some versions don't even use the word crowds they use the word multitude but whether it's crowds or multitudes of this i'm sure that those people experienced the presence of jesus and it was in this presence that the bread multiplied and the fish multiplied the bread and the fish had no magic in it the the poor bo- the boy who bought the bread and the fish wasn't a sorcerer's son okay the food didn't have any magic in it it was the presence of jesus and uh, that caused the food to be multiplied and for all of you hotel management students i know my friend is here and he's in a management training school that's massive food production at a very very reasonable cost okay it was a miracle and for those of you who may think it's a coincidence let me tell you what a common phenomenon is when jesus's presence is in any place um when jesus's presence is in any place and when jesus is in the house miracles happen and it is the only context in which i know that the impossible becomes possible you see these 13000 people experienced the presence of jesus through this miracle in a very tangible way there was no way they could disapprove that they didn't get fish or they didn't get bread and this reminds me that i need to experience miracles in my life at many times and that can only happen when i'm close to the presence of jesus that can only happen when i'm somewhere near the presence of jesus and tonight if you need a miracle you need to be at this grub club now the third fact about this grub club is there were different people in this uh, grub club and so i need your help to kind of help me find that out we are going to pull up verse 2 and 3 of john chapter 6 uh, and even as we read it i want you to tell me uh, who are the different people there okay here we go and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick then jesus went up on a mountain side and sat down with his disciples okay so help me out here how many people i mean um, not how many people but there were different people there who were they shout out the answers if you know it this is like an open book test man you can't you can't get it wrong who was there somebody said disciples were there okay okay excellent who else was there who else was there okay the sick how was it only the sick people okay everybody say people okay who else was there that's right how can you miss out the hero of the story jesus himself was there okay so there was jesus there was people and there was his disciples and this evening i want to tell you that the grub club is right here in this place okay you're asking me how are we going to have fish and bread together no i really don't think so but um, you know this evening even as i declare that i want to declare in faith that any of us who walked into this place hungry for more than just food are going to be filled you'll walk out satisfied i pray that god would meet the need that is heavy on your heart this evening this is the grub club because the presence of jesus is here and i don't know about you but i am hungry for god to do something in my life and when i think about the grub club on the hillside and when i see those three groups of people um you know uh, jesus the crowds and the disciples i find myself uh, seated 
somewhere in the crowd. And if you're like me and you identify with the crowd and, and if you had to picture and imagine with me, there would be three words that would stand out from this whole incident uh, even as we look at the Grub Club. And the first word is need. Everybody say need. John chapter 5 verse 6 says, Jesus asks his disciples, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? You know, what Jesus is essentially telling his disciples is this, gang, see these people coming, they have needs, they are hungry. We can't leave them like that. Where shall we buy bread for them? You see, there is a need. The people are hungry and Jesus sees what's really apparent. He sees their need. But let's look at this a little closely. You see, when you look at the people, you probably think they just showed up anonymously in the story. But let me tell you, uh, there is no record of where these people really came from. Probably they left their homes way back. Or probably they came from nearby. We do not know. The news of Jesus was not published in any newspaper. Okay? It wasn't on any Insta Life stories, no GPS tracking. His disciples, uh, his disciples were not doing a boomerang while they were walking along with him. Um, there was no WhatsApp location sending. If you needed to find someone in those days, you really needed to track them down. And journeys like this could last for a day or two or even longer, depending on how you traveled by. By the way, there were no automobiles in those days, so the fastest way to get across would be either a horse or a donkey or um, a cow and uh, you could just keep going slower. But uh, it could take a long time. So when they were approaching Jesus, we don't know if they were as happy as they appeared in that video over there, okay? They would have probably been tired, weary, carrying the weight of uh, themselves for a long way, carrying a weight of their burdens. But I really wonder what would cause them to travel for so long. And if you're like me and you're thinking, you wouldn't take long to figure out that it was probably their needs. It was probably the needs that they were having. And when Jesus sees them, he just doesn't see them hungry. He actually sees their needs because Jesus knew each of them. He knew what was on their heart. He knows that there are deeper needs. But you know what? He begins by reaching out to just what's apparent. He begins by reaching out to what's ahead. People always came to Jesus with their needs. Why? Because Jesus specialized in meeting people at the point of their needs. The rich ruler came with a need. The lady with the issue of blood for 12 years, she came with a need. The blind beggar came with a need. The lepers came to Jesus with a need. I have a financial problem this evening. I can come to him with my need. I have a relationship that's falling apart. I can come to him with my need. I need a breakthrough in my workplace, in my school, in my college. I can come to him with my need. I'm broken deep down and nobody sees that. You know what? I can come to Jesus with my need this evening. Jesus saw their needs. And guess what? He sees yours too. This evening, he knows exactly what you're going through. But I need to ask you, can you zoom in and focus on your need for this evening? It may be an evident need, or it may be an unspoken one. It may be one that came up in the recent past, or it may be something that you've been battling for quite a while. It may be a personal need, it may be a family problem. But the truth is, 
that Jesus sees our needs. He knows our needs. And we all have needs. I'm sure in that crowd there were also those kinds of people who were wondering, now, now that I'm hungry, you know, I've traveled for so long, where will I get food in a wilderness like this? Okay? There would have probably been people who are thinking, I'm just following everybody in the crowd. I don't know where I'm going to bump into Jesus, but it's been sh- sure long since I had a drink of water or since I've eaten. Where can I find some food for myself? And that's like one of me. Okay? I can't go f- with food for quite a long time. Okay? So I'd like to figure out a way for myself when I have a need. But you know what? In the story, nobody comes to Jesus and says, uh, Jesus, you have been walking too fast. It's been long. We are hungry. You need to give us some food. Okay, the Bible says Jesus asked about their need before anyone else ever did. You know, the disciples would have probably sat down and, you know, with their um, faces so serious, like as if the best teaching was going to come out then. They were looking straight faced. Uh, But you know what? Jesus did not ignore the need that was there. He was the one who asked, what about these guys? Are they going to go hungry? You know why? Because Jesus is passionate about your need. Jesus is passionate about our needs. And Jesus takes us seriously. Just for a minute, if you thought he was not concerned about us, let me tell you, Jesus was the one who asked about their hunger first. He knows our needs, he sees our needs, and he's passionate about our needs. The Grub Club is a place where the needs of people are seen by Jesus. And tonight, even as you are in this Grub Club, let me assure you, dear friends, each one of your needs are seen by the Master. He sees them, and the good news is that Jesus just doesn't see your needs. He doesn't leave me the way I am in my need. My need may may not be completely met, but I can tell you this much. Jesus begins working the minute you and I have a need. He has a way of working. It may get met tomorrow. It may get met right now. I do not know when, but I do know that he doesn't leave you in your need. He begins to work in your life when you bring your need before him, When, when you make your need known to him. You know, many of us, sometimes carry the weight of our needs, of our burdens all by ourselves, thinking that we are probably the only ones who can ever figure out a way to meet our needs. But let me assure you, when we bring our needs to Jesus, he meets us at the point of our need and he begins to do things in our life. The first word said at that grub club would probably be need. Okay, and so Jesus gives his disciples then a task to provide food in a place where there is literally nothing. This is a crisis moment and Jesus does this to test them. The Bible tells us that. And I'm sure the disciples went paralyzed at the sight of the multitude and thought, thought of the purchases to be made, thought of the preparation to be made and then let alone the distribution and of the best thing, food, okay? You can imagine, uh, when, when they thought about the whole weight of it, some would have thought this was going to be a parable, okay? So they thought when Jesus said, where are we going to find food? Yeah, some of them would have said, yes, okay, this is a really good teaching. Go on, Jesus, tell us, tell us more. Where's the next line? When is it going to come up? And Jesus stayed quiet. Jesus stayed quiet, and they realized he was serious when he paused with that question. And one guy... 
And guess what's his name? I really like this guy. His name was Philip, okay? His name was Philip and uh, this guy was probably a chartered accountant, okay? He says, yikes, Jesus, just in case you're really waiting for the math, it's impossible. Like if the 13 of us would work for, uh, work really hard for two and a half years, we could just get these people just a bite each, okay? That's, that's how much we would get. So basically, Jesus, what I'm trying to tell you is not happening, no way. Um, and uh, there is a need, but there is also an impossibility that they are all stuck with. Basically, the problem is there are no ingredients. What are they going to feed the people with? So while Philip was preparing the annual report on impossibility, the other disciples uh, started searching and found something. So Andrew took this something to Jesus and said in John chapter 5 verse 9, here is this boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. I want you to uh, kind of check out. Okay, He mentions five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go? And that's when you hear the second word in the grub club. Okay, And the second word is not much. Everybody say not much. Andrew was telling Jesus, we have something, but actually it's not much. Okay, It's not much, Jesus. Uh, almost 13,000 people and five barley loaves. Even if we got crumbs, I don't know if we would be able to distribute it adequately. And uh, that's all, you know, you would almost think it's like a joke. Uh, sometimes it seems ridiculous, but that's exactly how overwhelming our impossibilities can get. Sometimes they just blind us. We aren't able to see beyond them. Situations where we do not know what to do. All we ever get to see is the hugeness of our impossibility. You know, in English, when you place contradictory terms in a conjunction, it's called an oxymoron. Okay? And uh, for all of you English students out here, here is a good example of an oxymoron. Uh, it's like saying we have... Uh, we have nothing, okay? Did you get that? We have nothing. may sound ridiculous for Andrew to say that, but that is exactly how ridiculous our lives can get. Sometimes the need is so huge and the provision that we have is so less. The impossibility is 95%, whereas the possibility is just 5%. The chances are really skim. The fish and the bread was probably the tiffin of a poor, uh, you know, poor boy whose father would probably have been a fisherman and this was probably the snack left over from the dinner last night. And that really was poor grub, okay? Bali, if, if all of you, I mean, we are not used to having Bali, but if you know, it's like one of the cheapest grains that you could get. It was poor grub, okay? And really wasn't much in terms of quality and in terms of quantity. And in the Bible, we read of several stories where people had not much. Everybody say not much. You see, God asked Moses, what do you have? Not much. Just a stick. God enabled Samson to fight an entire army with what? Not much. Just a jo donkey's jawbone. In a time of drought, God sustained his servant Elijah, um, you know, um, through bread prepared by what? Not much, just the last bit of oil and flour that a widow had. But these stories also tell us how Moses used the stick to do mighty works for God. 
how God enabled Samson to use the jawbone to strike down an entire Philistine uh, army, uh, how God sustained, uh, you know, his, his servant through flour and oil through a time of famine. He sustained that right through and through. Because you know what God specializes in using are not much for his glory. Because many times our situation make us underestimate what God has provided us with. And that's exactly what life wants us, wants out of us. That's exactly what the enemy wants out of us. That we, we amplify our impossibilities so that we can bring, uh, you know, nothing before Jesus. And we can see only what is not much. May I remind you, you're not much is not nothing. Okay, go ahead and tell that to someone next to you. You're not much is not nothing. Isn't that amazing? That's so true. You know what? You're not much is not nothing. It is something. But it really depends on whose hands it is in. It really depends on whose hands you place your not much in. You see, a basketball in my hands is worth some few hundreds of rupees. But a basketball in Michael Jordan's hands is worth 33 million dollars. It depends whose hands it is in. A tennis racket is useless in my hands, but a tennis racket in Roger Federer's hands is a Wimbledon championship. It depends whose hand your not much is in. A rod in my hands will only help me to drive away some wild dogs, but a rod in Moses' hands will part the mighty sea. It depends whose hand your not much is in. A slingshot in my hands is a kid's toy. She'll probably knock a tree or something like that, but a slingshot in David's hands is a mighty weapon. Two fish and five loaves of bread in my hands is a couple of fish fillet burgers. But two fish and five loaves of bread in God's hands will feed thousand. It depends whose hands the not much is really in. And sometimes our life left to us in our hands is useless. It's not much. But our lives in God's hands finds its true worth. You can really explore the horizon of what God wants to accomplish through your life when you place it in his hands. And this evening I want to ask you, have you been able to see your not much yet? It's impossible, okay? It's, it's important that Andrew found that. When the others saw nothing around, Andrew at least saw that. And so I want to ask you, friends, have you been able to see your not much yet? Have you been able to see that which looks existentially non-existent? Have you been able to see that yet? If you have, I want to ask you, what is your not much? What is that, that small thing that is with you? And at that first grub club, this not much was placed in the hands of Jesus. I want to encourage you this evening, if you have bought your not much with you this evening, begin to just place it in the hands of Jesus. It may be uh, you, you've come here at the end of, uh, you know, the rope. You, you're just hanging on and you're saying, I don't have anything left. Well, just bring yourself to uh, the hands of the one who multiplied the bread and the fish and place yourself in his hands and see what God is able to do. And you know, even as, as we continue to look at the grub club, Jesus then commands the people to sit down. He gives thanks for it. He gives thanks for the food and then he distributes it. The food continues to get distributed. 
And that's where you hear the muffled whispers of the third set of words from the mouth of the disciples. No way. Everybody say, no way. You see, if you read verse 11 and 12, it says, Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all, uh, uh, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. I can imagine the astonishment of the disciples. As Jesus asked the, the disciples to get the people to sit down, what are they going to eat, Jesus? Not grass, for sure. You know, I can imagine the astonishment of the, of, of the disciples uh, when he told them to distribute the bread and the fish. Philip looked down on his chartered accountancy as he kept handing out the loaves and fishes in embarrassment, whispering, no way, this is not possible, not a chance. Andrew was surprised at the surplus and whispered, I knew I was bad in maths class, I got it wrong somewhere. I knew purchase and supply was never my forte. No way man, no way, no way. Judas probably the accountant of the group said, no way, I saved so much of money, I didn't have to spend so much and yet for all, so many got fed. And you know, I'm sure the whispers that went out, the disciples knew how it happened because they were there when it started. You know what? Many a times in our lives, God has done the impossible. It's not like he hasn't. You've been there. And you were the ones who said, and we were the ones who said, no way, at some point in our lives. But yet for all, when, lives, when life hits us with some of the greatest challenges, we still get skeptical and we say, is this going to work out? Are things going to work out for me? And you know what? Sometimes we need to remember those times when we said a no way, when God did something great in our lives. And here's something interesting that I found. You know, when, uh, when we looked at the video, right? Jesus sitting with his disciples asked his disciples, where can we find, what did he say? Where can we find? Food. The video said food. But you know what? I checked over a couple of things and I, you know, uh, I read a couple of different versions of this passage. And Jesus actually asked his disciples, where can we find bread? Okay. And so uh, I, I was a little confused because I said food, bread, you know, there could be a lot of difference because he could have been looking for anything to feed them. And so I said, okay, uh, let me just check once again. And so when I checked in the original language, the word mentioned there was, uh, okay, I'm just going to say it, it's artus, okay, it, it, it means bread, okay, it means bread. And you know what, when I checked with the next verse which says that they distributed loaves of I was waiting for food, but even there it mentioned artus. And what's so amazing, you're saying, you know what? Because Jesus knew exactly, even before the provision was there, Jesus knew exactly that there was going to be bread and that he would make a way even when there was nothing. Even when there was nothing. Even when there was no bread in sight. Jesus knew what he was going to do. That's said in verse 6. And you know what? When God says something, he isn't really actually waiting for our answers at times. He's waiting to show you the way to his provision. 
Thanks again for tuning in for another message from Soul Revolution. You can do us a huge favor by rating, reviewing and sharing this message with your friends. We would love to hear from you on how this message has touched your life. Feel free to message us on Facebook. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you have a great week ahead.